Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Up In Your Business. Uh, this is your friends Mike and Mike. Um, we're here, and um, we got another interesting episode for you guys. Um, not the norm. Not the norm here. Um, we have Bernard and Georgia uh, on the Zoom call with us from Minnesota. And uh, they basically started their own um, sober recovery homes for people. Uh, and then after a couple of years of running a few of their own um, over the past, uh, I believe, year or so. Um, so they, they started, what, six years ago? They started their own. Their own six years yeah, ago. Six yeah, six years ago. Um, and then I believe within the past year ish, um, they started to basically build a course on how to expand it and how, you know, like you're a regular citizen and you could go on and buy their course and open your own and start a recovery home. Um, so really interesting and Uh, really good people too. They, yeah, just the person that it takes and they talk about the interview, how their home life kind of shaped them to do this. Yeah. But just. The, uh, the amount of like caring for other people that oh, it takes yeah. just to put yourself out there to go help others, you know, and they right. said themselves, they weren't addicts. They were just, right. they didn't want people to go through what they went through basically. Yeah. Right, right, right. They very saw it firsthand as in their family. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, really just inspiring um, and just a random DM on Instagram. Um, they actually found us, I believe on YouTube and then, uh, you know, from there, looked up, looked us up on Instagram, followed followed the podcast page, uh, and reached out. And um, this was about a week ago, and so we set it up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy we did it. And Me too. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I'll never complain about the cold again after talking to them <laughs> yeah. about the Minnesota climate. <laughs> yeah, not uh, definitely not jealous of the climate, but uh, these guys are are awesome. Yeah. Um, so we hope you enjoy it. Um, and if you guys have any questions, uh, again, you know, always hit us up on Instagram at up in your biz pod, check out the full videos on YouTube, uh, check out some of the clips and photos on the Instagram. Um, go follow these guys too, because, uh, we'll throw, we'll throw up their Instagram in the description. Yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. It's just really amazing what they're doing out there. Yeah, for real. Um, so yeah, hopefully, uh, this makes you feel good and, uh, hope you enjoy. So how did you, uh, I know you reached out on Instagram, but were you just kind of searching around at, at like podcast hashtags and stuff? I was on uh, podcast and no, I actually saw you guys on YouTube as well. Stumbled a couple, uh, on a couple of your videos and then I actually went to uh, Instagram and then I saw you on there. Cool. So I decided to reach out to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, so, uh, we'll do, we, we basically start every episode with this little segment called 20 questions. And so it's kind of like rapid fire, fun little things. Um, so uh, what we usually do with two people is you guys can kind of like bounce back and forth. Um, so if that sounds good, we'll get started and then we'll have you guys introduce yourself. Hi. Cool. All right. Uh, so whoever wants to start can start, but we're going to start with favorite color. Blue. Favorite snack. Cookies. iPhone or Android. iPhone. Left or right. Right. Pick a number one to ten. Seven. Everybody chooses that. Uh, favorite <laughs> number. Two. Uh, coffee or tea. Coffee. 
Coffee. Uh, steak or chicken? Chicken. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Hot coffee. All right. Oreo or Chips Ahoy? Oreo. <laughs> All right. Favorite vegetable? Broccoli. All right. Prefer to work from home or in an office? Home. All right. Clean desk or messy desk? Messy. <laughs> you and me both. Your biggest inspiration or role model? Michelle Obama. Last time you ran a mile or close? A couple of days ago. Nice. Uh, coolest place you've ever traveled? Jamaica. Oh, cool. Jamaica. That's cool. Uh, first job ever? Oh, wash. All right. Uh, last two. Favorite day of the week? Friday. <laughs> and favorite part of your job? everything <laughs> helping people i like it i like it cool all right um yeah so uh i i did a little bit of research on on your guys business and um you know into what you guys do and um i mean man it's pretty incredible but uh if, if you don't mind for everybody listening give us kind of a quick breakdown of sort of who you guys are what you do and you know oh my name is bernard jones this is my wife georgia uh, we own recovery homes out of Minnesota. Uh, recovery homes slash sober homes, a lot of people get that uh, confused. But um, recovery homes are places where people get out of treatment. They come to a place where they're around their other peers or other individuals who want to practice sobriety and keep their sobriety. Uh, sometimes when individuals leave treatment centers and go back to their home, they're still around you know, certain people who uh, who may trigger them like they are friends, cousins, no mothers, dads, whatever the situation may be. Uh, so they come to sober housing, recovery homes, and they, it's a place where everybody keep each other, hold each other accountable. Um, it's actually an untapped market where a lot of individuals don't know about, but it's a, it's actually a big market though. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Cool. Um, and, and so, you know, doing something like this is, uh, you know, this is not like starting a marketing company or you know starting an e-commerce business, uh, anything like that. What uh, what really inspired you guys to to do this and and start something like so impactful? So um, it was we wasn't per se looking to do something. We kind of was in a situation where we're like we have a house that outgrew us. And um, we didn't know what to do, but we didn't want to rent our home out. We're like, we're not going to have anybody moving our house, mess up our updated house, tile, sure. carpet. Like, that's not happening. Um, and we both have um, family members in our family who struggle with addiction or alcohol. So um, when someone mentioned it to us and kind of explained what it is, we're like, okay. But then it made us think, like, oh, like, uh, we have us an older son who um, has struggled with, like, pills and things like that. Yeah. So when he was still a youth, it was like, where can he go to get the treatment that he needs and stuff like that? But he no one wants to go to a, like a treatment center or anything like that because that's not, you know, it kind of looked, it's like kind of a shameful thing. Right. Um, especially, you know, really coming from the black community. So we, I was like, okay, if this is something that I can provide where people may be kind of shameful to go to treatment, but it's another place where they can still get the treatment that's needed because they're not like inpatient. They're around other individuals. So it's like, how do we provide a home? So once we found out about it, we're like, this is perfect because after treatments, they have a place to go to. Or even if 
it's not traditional treatment because we meet people where they're at. So if a person is like, hey, I'm more spiritual or I could do this on my own, you don't have to be coming from treatment to come to a recovery home. You do have to not use drugs and alcohol. So whatever treatment looks like for you, you're still able to come to our home. So we was just providing a place where people can continue not using drugs and alcohol. I see, I see. In a place where they want to be, not that they're forced. Like, they want to come home, you know? Right. I think that's kind of the... um the, the stigma, I guess, is is um, kind of like you said, it's a place where people get forced to go and it's yes. um, it just has this sort of uh, almost connotation around it that it's like that somewhere where you force people. And that's, right. you yeah. know, it's it's something that obviously people want to get better. So it's you don't want it yes. to have that sort of uh, message behind it. Right. Cool. How many people uh, do you have right now? In we the got house. one house that has, we got a, a couple of different houses. So we got a, a total of 20 uh, women. We got a couple of different houses. We got one that has 12 women and another house that has eight women. And how do you kind of keep track of, keep everybody on track on the road to recovery? Uh, well, the good thing about owner recovery homes is the fact that it's a uh, it's an honest system. So when somebody relapses per se, they come, they either call us or call the house manager and they're like, oh, we, we relapsed. Or we say, oh, that's a, it's a sad thing. You can either come back in 14 days, but you either got to be 14 days sober mm-hmm. or um, you, so you have to be then and we let you stay to the next morning and uh, you'll have to go back to treatment or come back and be 14 days sober. So it's really like an honest system. And we also do weekly house meetings. Right. Well. And people, the um, residents want to do recovery housing and, um, so after inpatient, people will go to outpatient, which sometimes is referred to as IOP, intensive outpatient. And we kind of go hand in hand with IOP. So you may not show up to IOP every day if you're around your past behaviors and environment that's getting you back into using. So you're not going to show up. So a lot of treatment centers in Minnesota, the IOPs, they actually pay a like 90% of a housing fee for a resident to go to sober housing to make sure that they show up every day. And when they leave after that four hours, that they're in a safe place to continue their sobriety versus like I'm homeless or I don't have food and I don't have nowhere warm to go because, or I have to have sex to have a place to live because I don't know these bad people that, you know, so it gets crazy. So we, you build partnerships with the um, IOPs where they're even, you like I said, paying that piece of it to make sure that it's a continual process of that. But like I like to tell people, we get different people who come who struggle with drugs and alcohol. That's just like the tip of the iceberg. So it's individuals who may have got their kids taken, it's individuals may who have uh, criminal records, who've been abused, maybe they neglected their own kids. So their background and where they're coming from and their life happenings, it's all different. They just all kind of maybe have self-medicated with drugs and alcohol. So even though we're providing that place, it's like so much going on with those uh, individuals that we serving other owners serve Mm -hmm. that they're trying to tackle as well and still not use drugs and alcohol. Right, so it sounds like you guys have a very upbeat and kind of positive vibe going with it, right? Yes. And that's like kind of you saying like the stigma. A lot of people think that, People who recover from drugs or alcohol, like they're uh, all bad people. But like how we tell anybody, when they come into the home, they keep the house. Like our recovery homes are more cleaner uh, than, than our own homes. Yeah, than our own homes. 
thing. Uh, so they really take care of. We never had anybody like fight in the house, punch walls, none yeah. of that type of stuff. So a lot of people got this vast stigma around like recovery, but if these are actually some real great people. Uh, oh, we yeah. all have vices, and it just so happens their vices may be in a, a drug or alcohol that they could control. Right, and if they're with you guys, then they clearly want to get better and they want to yeah. help themselves out. So why would you freak out and you know ruin the home that is helping you? Right. Yeah. And we uh, individuals that's not ready, and they come in and they're like telling us lies about everything. And we're just like, you know, you're not ready. <laughs> you can probably we're tell, right? Everybody else's program, we're gonna actually, you know. Yeah. yeah. So we figured that out right away. Like this is just you're not ready yet. Yeah, I think. Um, I think people would be surprised, really, the variety of people that struggle with problems like this. I mean, um, even just us personally, we produced a documentary for a guy who fought in the army. He was a Green Beret, and he got shot in the stomach back in 2011 in Afghanistan. And after leaving the military, um, through recovery, he got addicted to his pain meds. Right. This guy is somebody who fought for the country. He, this isn't some like degenerate low life guy. I mean, he went out right. there and fought for the country and now came back and had this problem. Like it happens to everybody. Yeah. It's uh, Nobody, nobody's exempt from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Seriously. And especially you guys are in Minnesota, right? Yeah. And it, I mean, it's freezing up there, you know, so it's probably I went to school in Vermont. So it's like there's not much to do when when it's freezing outside. So right, right. people turn to other things to help take yeah. away that time. Yes. And I know Minnesota is <laughs> a lot more colder than Vermont. but <laughs> A lot more colder. Lot. The great thing, too, though, we get people from all over. Like, we actually got a couple people from Hawaii. Oh, really? We get them from New York. Yeah, it's, they come from all uh, over. Sort of like the hub of. Yeah. Recovery home, AA means and everything. So, like that. how'd you guys get your name out there and like marketing wise? And because if you got if you guys have everybody coming in from all over, you have to had some like you've been around for a while. You built up a name for yourself. Is is it just the name that keeps going and people word of mouth? Uh, well, actually, like part of the story is we just like she said we stumbled upon this. So we it was a lot of stuff that we were just doing like that was cold turkey. We were just trying to figure out stuff to get our name out there, uh, send stuff to this treatment center. Uh, we did a whole national, a nationwide mail out, mail out list. Uh, wow. we, it was just a lot of, a whole lot of different things what we did though. So everything that we did, we just, uh, we didn't know what we was doing. We was just took, took it and ran with it though. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, word of mouth too, like in Minnesota too. I think people who, um, and, and Mike and I didn't come from like a, a business background. I mean, we both went to school for video production, you know, filmmaking. Um, so we didn't have like that business and marketing background. And I think, uh, I think in a lot of cases it helps people because you come in with this completely clear mind, um, and you're really just willing to try anything like, you know, uh, like you guys were saying, you really just tried anything in direct mail and, and all kinds of things. Like you come in with just such a fresh palette and not like this, uh, narrow field of view where if you did a marketing right. career, or a marketing course, uh, you come in, you're like, nah, I know this isn't gonna work, even though you right, never, you never right, know if right. you try. The tunnel vision. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, doing a business like this, like, did you guys have some sort of, um, like, did your parents, like, you know, put some entrepreneurial spirit into you, or um, wh what gave you guys sort of that uh, drive behind it? Um, well, for me, um, I'm gonna be honest though, it's a weird story. Like 
my grandparents, I used to, they used to babysat me and everything like that when I was a kid. Yeah. They used to watch the show uh, Young and the Restless. Um, and there was a guy on there named Victor Newman. Okay. Always the name Victor Newman. He was like the big businessman on that, on that uh, soap opera. So I always said I wanted to be a businessman. Like my parents and her parents, they just working working class people. But for me, I always had the entrepreneurial spirit ever since I was like 15. Yeah. And um, so like this is not my first investment. So, I mean, I did music. I just did a whole bunch of different stuff that, that led me to where we're at now. So mm. I always thank Victor Newman for, uh, for me watching. <laughs> That's amazing. It's funny how life works. Yes. Right. I actually, um, I have a background in um, residential housing, halfway housing, okay. um, shelters, transitional housing. So I've always had like house manager positions or uh, just managing different residential settings. So when it when the when it's brought to us and it's like, Ugh, I'm like, if I can manage other uh, nonprofits and businesses, I can do it for myself. Right. And since she's like my boss. <laughs> He's the one who has the, I do the work, he has the business mind, and we just work off of each other's strengths and weakness, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like the people person, and he's like behind the scenes, he's like, this is what we're doing. I'm like, just do it, and I'm gonna keep playing with my women, and we're gonna do what we have to do. <laughs> so that's how it works. So he's balance. the business one. I brought it to him, he did the research, started doing things. So we, he, like I said, he's the business side, I'm the people side. So yeah, that's a good mix. That's a great mix. You need that in business too. You need to have someone who's the face of it and someone who's kind of running behind closed doors, making everything operate. Yeah. Right. And that's how we work. That's cool. So what got you guys to the point where you started, you know, I, I see you guys have two, you said you have two houses yourself. Um, but then you got to a point where you started, you know, now sharing what you've done to really expand this whole business idea and, and get people to continue it and expand and have people open up their own things. What what led you to that? Well, from um, for us, though, we was helping a lot of people in Minnesota. I think we helped over 40 some people in Minnesota That's awesome. um, open up recovery homes. So we were saying for ourselves, um, we want to do it more on a national level where we can help more people from uh, owner recovery homes and the people, the individuals who need to live in recovery homes. Yeah. So our perspective is like, we, let's try to do this on a national level where we can help more people on both, on both sides of the ball because it's a big need on, out there on both perspectives though. Um, like in a 2019 uh, survey that came out, it's 19.3 million people who suffer from drug or alcohol who, who still haven't got any, uh, any treatment or anything well, like that. Them, but yeah. yeah. And this is that's pre COVID numbers. So yeah. you can imagine what those numbers are gonna be like when oh, these yeah. numbers come out. So is it right. like do people... it was just kinda like Sorry good. I would say it was more time consuming. It was doing individuals. So it would be more time consuming on our part. So when we're like, okay, how can we be more efficient and effective to get it out there? And then with when COVID had came too, we noticed with COVID, um, a lot of businesses were shutting down. Yeah. And with telehealth and um, treatment is a is a it's it's essential business. Like people still need to go to treatment. So that meant that our recovery homes are still operating. It just switched to telehealth, but nothing changed. Just be where the location where they did their treatment. So then we're like, okay, this is something we don't know what COVID's gonna look like, but we know that 
the need for treatment um, is going to still be there. Yeah. So more people are able to do it since more people are like adding to those numbers who's using now. Yeah, I've heard so, that. Yeah, that's more like let's. I've heard on the news yeah, that's that more like, the, let's do the e-course, let's get it out there. Yeah, the opioid uh, crisis is just shooting up because of uh, COVID. I, that was going to be one of my questions is um, like now that like are people still able to be in your houses and or like you're saying it's telehealth like how do you keep track of someone who who like maybe only talks for, you talk to them for like an hour or so you know right so um keep so everybody's in the house is doing zoom there are some treatments in minnesota that has never went to telehealth and they still show up in person i don't know how that works i don't question it yeah. you know we just you know do precautions in the house with masks and stuff just to keep our women safe. Of course. But so even with our check-in meetings, we have a check-in system where we have requirements coming into the house. So coming into our house, you're going to be 14 days sober. You're going to do 20 hours of productive time. So that's how we meet a person where they're at too. Some people may be doing treatment. Some people may be working. Some people may be volunteering. So it's some productive hours that they're doing to keep busy and yeah. it's productive to their life. And staying sober, they're going to do two recovery meetings, whether it's AA, NA, whether it's a spiritual group, whatever that looks like for your recovery, you'll do two recovery meetings. You have a sponsor, you check in with your sponsor weekly, and then we have a house meeting. So we have a form that all the residents are filling out. So we're keeping track. Any residents that go to treatment, their treatment, their counselor is going to call like, hey, Jessica didn't show up for treatment today. But we have a housing agreement and part of the housing agreement will say if you're not attending treatment you're going to let us know yeah. so they'll call us like hey i'm not feeling good today i'm not going to go to treatment we say okay they'll make it up later with the telehealth it's the same thing they get okay. on they do zoom yeah. um on their cell phones and they're still able to do it so we'll still receive texts or calls saying if a person did not go but we're in the house too we have a house manager so we know what's happening in the homes yeah and their roommate Jessica didn't go to treatment today. She was in the bed sleeping. We're like, so what did you tell Jessica? Did you tell Jessica that she needs to get it together? They're like, um, we're like, okay, so you go talk to Jessica yeah, give her and that then push. have that conversation. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, you have that. So we try not, well, we don't police. Like if a resident comes to us, we're like, okay, do you want us to be around when you say this to this other individual? Cause it's your house. You're holding each other accountable. Right. That's an awesome so, yeah, way to do it. Right. Yeah, so in the meetings, they hold each other accountable. They're talking to each other. We're not like, you're in trouble, you're in trouble, you know? The yeah. residents will talk to be like, well, you did this, so we're you're going to have to do this. You know, they make up their own natural consequences for each other and things like that, so. It probably takes the pressure off of, of them. Like, if they do mess up, instead of being like, oh, crap, like, I'm going to get in trouble because I used it again. It's like, no, I can feel safe holding myself accountable and knowing that I'm not, nobody's going to look down on me. We're going to work together to kind of figure yeah. it out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to your point of having that sort of negative stigma where, uh, you know, like you guys don't want to be like parents. You're not their mother and right. father, you know, like, um, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And if, right. yeah, sure. They miss a treatment like that's on them. They're adults. Right. right. Yeah. So, that's exactly how it is. So going back to the, um, to you guys trying to spread it further, you know, get throughout the whole country. 
are you looking at it from kind of a franchise angle, like where you'll franchise out or you like, how do you vet people for certain houses? How do you go about that? Cause that's a huge task to undertake if you're, yeah. especially in COVID when you can't travel and maybe go see the houses and see everything that's going on. Yeah. So, uh, with our, the way how we're rolling out uh, nationally is like with an e-course. So we giving everybody a blueprint what we did to become successful in any city in any state though. Now it might be a little bit of uh, laws different, you know, right. from where you can open a recovery home 330 feet. It might be a mile in some cities and states, though. But in general, we we got the blueprint where it's going to be successful in any city, any state, though, and it's all online. That's the best thing what I like about it too, and that's something like um, that I love about it, opposed to like just the sober home is just something where we don't have to be there all the time. So people can go by anytime, 24/7 sleep and wake up and 10 people might have purchased per se. Yeah. So that's so yeah, no, so with the e-course, it's it's a guide on how to open, operate, and manage. I know he said successful, but it's like, hey, do I need a license? Do I need this many years of schooling? Right. How do I do this? So we talk about, you know, you don't need a license. You don't have license and things like that. Um we talk about you don't have to have house management skills like how if you're um, a property owner, like a property manager or something of apartment buildings, um, we talk about that it's not tenant landlord law. You know, we do housing agreements, not lease. But how do you get more than four people living in your house? Because a lot of states and cities have this law that you can't house more than four or five or six people in your house that's not related. Like you just can't. Uh, oh, really? So it's something called the reasonable accommodation. We talk about how do you do the reasonable accommodation, how there's a Fair Housing Amendment Act that allows people with disability to live together. You're if you struggle with alcoholic or drugs, and you're they're considered you're considered an alcoholic or uh, you're have an addiction. That's a disability, so that protects you to be able to house individuals more than so many more than four people together. In every city and in every city and state, it may be maybe 10, 12, 14, 16. So every city and state is going to vary with that reasonable accommodation process. But, you know, and that's with zoning. So that's that research piece. Then, well, what is a housing agreement? What should it contain? We talk about that. Do you have to own a house? That's our favorite question. I can't buy a house. Well, we own and we rent our homes for recovery homes. We have two houses now. That was, we had to make a strategic decision to say, we have two houses. It brings in good money. We really don't need three and four and five and six. Like we're not trying to be millionaires. Yeah. So that's when we said, okay, we're going to extend our business different. So we're comfortable with two houses. We have four houses at one time. We were like, for I mean, it's good to help people, but we don't have to be the individuals housing the people. Right, yeah. So that's what had did that shift from the beginning. Two is good enough for us. Twenty to care for twenty people is more than enough for us. Keeps you busy. So yeah, that's what we're like. We don't have to monopolize and have 20 houses, you know? <laughs> and that's uh, when we took that shift. So we talked about that housing agreement. We talked about, we don't hold people accountable, but if someone's uh, drinking or alcohol, how do you how do you handle that? How do you respond to that? Um, if say like someone is coming in like for curfew, how do you handle that? We do have a refocus contract, you know? So it's like, okay, we talked to you. Your peers talked to you. We're gonna let you refocus for a week and come in every day at 6 p.m. for a whole week to for you to figure out if this is what you want to do. Right. Because you're saying it, but your actions are saying it. So after that week, you decide if you're going to stay or go. Mm. So stuff like that. Um, we talk about how do you furnish your house? If you do rent or own, what should that house look like? Like, do you need two refrigerators? 
yeah, you're going to have more than six residents. You want two refrigerators. You know, how how do you put this house together? Yeah. So we talk about that because there's people who's running some raggedy homes. They got mattresses on the floor. That's not okay. They got boxes for nightstands. That's not okay. Anybody and everybody staying the night, that's not okay. So right. when we say successful, we're saying like we're kind of breaking it down. So if you listen to our recommendations, you're not going to even do the halfway, you know, to think like this is okay because maybe that's okay for them, but it's not okay for the people you're going to serve. So we're kind of putting it out there. We say a lot of people who have struggled with drugs and alcohol, they're the main one who, who wants to help. Me and Bernard, we never struggled with alcohol or drugs. It was just because of our family that yeah. this is why we do it. We're actually sober um, way before this, uh, we started this business. Um, but like we even say, if this is something like wait at least three years of sobriety before you decide to even do this, you know, like we don't you want to help go volunteer, do something else. Don't become an owner right now. Yeah. Operate, you know? It's a big responsibility. Yeah. Get in the house manager. You run your house for a year before you bring someone. You can't train somebody else if you haven't even ran it for a year to see what it's like. <laughs> you, you don't know? even know what you don't even know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Right. So and so we do say we are recovery home experts because we've been through the ups and downs, red flags. There was home. We're like, this isn't gonna work. We rented it. We rented it in the winter time. Now that it's summer, the dope man lives next door, but right. we didn't know because it was winter. Right. But now that the summer's here. We are not going to be able to stay here. So we talk about that kind of stuff in the e-course yeah. for people who don't have that experience of how to really pick the right house, how to negotiate with landlords and different things like that. So, yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. really cool that you guys just put that out there. I know. Yeah. And I can't imagine all the stuff you guys have learned in the amount of time. you. How, how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, since 2015. Almost, so almost six, six years. years. Six wow. years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be so many things you learn in that amount of time. So, um, I mean, a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you sure. should go out and sell it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the, um, I got one if you, yeah, go ahead. I, what's like, um, you're talking about opening up all these other houses. Could you just give us like an example of one of the biggest success stories of one of these outside houses that you guys helped to open? Like, and you don't have to name a location if it's yeah. confidential or anything like that. Oh, uh, well, um, it's probably one of the houses. I guess his name is Steve. A good, he was actually a good friend of mine. Um, he was actually recovering. He's actually recovered from drugs too. Um, so now he owns like three homes that we helped uh, open. Wow. Uh, he a great guy. He he do man houses. Um, he real successful right now. And he helping I think probably about like forty men. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a great thing when he doing. That's unbelievable. I can't even imagine how that makes you guys feel to kind of have helped in that and just see it spreading. I mean, geez. Right. That's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great feeling. And like we helping people uh, become business people and we helping people right. like, move into the home. So it's like we just excited all the way across the board. Yeah. I mean, right. talk about that one specifically. I mean, you helped a guy who went through recovery himself to now owning his own thing. And he's now helping all these people. I mean, geez. Yeah, man, just the feeling, like anytime I see him, he always give me a big hug. He always yeah. super proud. And, Cause I knew him, like he, he was from California, then he got moved to Minnesota. Uh, so he was, I, he always said he did like 28 different drugs. Man, I don't even know if that many different drugs. 28 different drugs though. 
Um, so he say uh, he was on 28 different drugs, and Nal was his friend for a long period of time. You know, and after, after, like when we opened our house in 2015, I think he was probably like four or five years sober at that time. And then that's when we uh, started helping them out. He was ready, and he's yeah. doing a big part in the community. That's so yeah. cool. And then one of the good things about recovery housing is that we are helping the individuals in the home. Um, and one side that is it's sensitive to talk about is that it's a lucrative business. So it's like what's, you're helping people, but you are getting paid because right. they're paying the housing fees to stay there. So then as operators, it's kind of changing for us, too. You know, we're yeah. bringing in more money where you me and Bernard, we was able to work ourselves out of a regular job. Um, during the time I uh, lost my mom to cancer and this job allowed me to be at the hospital when she, before her sickness, like be there for her through her sickness through a couple of years, you know, where I'm like, I'm here with her. I don't have to call in. I don't have to get fired. Yeah. So it kind of changed as operators. It changes your life just as well, you know? Yeah. So it's like, this is great. And my family did look at me to step up to help my mom since I was only one, the one in the position who had a job per se that was flexible to be able to be there every step of the way, going yeah. to the chemo, going to these appointments, doing all that kind of stuff and not having the fear of being fired. So it was like that. So it's on both sides. It's it's like, this is, it's great, you know? Yeah. And we literally, we get emails from the residents and they're like, thank you so much. And that's like, like, don't thank me. You're doing the hard work. Like, I'm right. providing a home, a beautiful home for you guys. You're doing the hard work. I'm doing the easy part. We do the easy part. That's what like, you think. No, you're doing the hard work, you know? And they're like, thank you, thank you. It's like, no, thank yourself. You're doing it. I'm, you're doing yeah. all this. That but just goes to show the bond that you guys create with those people, though. Like, the opportunity just for them, they probably like a year ago thought that their life was over. They had nothing to live for. And now all of a right. sudden they have a new sense of hope because of you guys. Yeah. Yes. And the fact that I think, you know, um, when people are going through tough times like that and addicted to certain things, they need someone to push them and, and kind of give them that nudge to, to right. get better. Yeah. 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 Um, now do you guys have kids yourself? We have three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that keeps 11, you busy too. 21 and 23. That's cool. I and mean, grandbabies. Oh wow, that's awesome! Jeez, <laughs> get the whole family going yeah. over there, huh? Right, right, right. <laughs> really keeping you busy. I mean, even for them too. I mean, that must be uh, inspiring to have parents like you guys. That's that's really something to look up to. They will never come on and say, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'd I'd love to hear like in the sort of in the beginning, like what were some of the biggest challenges that you guys had? Um, in, a, in an industry like this, I imagine there's some sort of state and, and local regulations, kind of like you were saying. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear some of the challenges you went through and how you sort of overcame them. All right, well, I think I can take some. I know a couple of things off the top. Like a lot of our challenges come like within ourselves too. That's because when you marry together and then you're doing business together, you're around people 24 7. 24/7. <laughs> you never leave. <laughs> so, like, just say hypothetically, when we, it's time to open up a new house. I'm a, like, um, I always the budget want, is this. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I want to get the best stuff, but I always want to do it in a cost-effective way. Not but with her, she don't, she don't, she don't look at that perspective. <laughs> the house has to be pretty. Yeah. I need matching comfort and sets, you know? Yeah. So we, we get into a lot of back and forth for yeah. days of that stuff, though, man. So 
you know, that's one thing. And one thing too is like with the city, with one of the properties that we in now, um, which we rent from a church, um, it's a backyard where they actually got parking spots on the side of our home. They have a whole parking lot. Yeah. It's a church and two homes they own. So we're right next to the parking lot. So they're like, in the lease, we have four parking spots that's always ours. So the city's like, um, you can't have shared parking. We're like, but we they own it. They're telling us it's our parking, you know? Right. Right. So they're like, you have to put parking pads in the back. Like those are $4,000 of parking cave, you know? So it's like negotiating with the city to only do one versus two, but then other homes were setting up. They're saying the same thing now. So we're like, what the heck? So uh -huh. it's those kind of requirements like with the city, because you have to have, we talk about this in A-Course, you have to have so many off-street parking spots per so many residents. Oh, okay. So for every three residents, you need one and a half parking space. Yeah. Off-street parking. So that's all stuff we're talking about that. So we're like, great, you have four parking spots. They're like, yeah. no. So they're like, well, for the time being, since it's winter, we're going to allow you to use the streets, but we need these off-street parkings. And we still don't understand why we can't use the parking spot because it's the churches. Yeah. And it's assigned to us. And it's, it's the same owners. But, but we have to pay for that stuff. And we don't even use the back parking. So it's just like we. Yes. Yeah, extra space. Because it's in the alleys. We're not going to ask our residents to park there, you know? Right. It's like. It was a grass area with a garden. So we had to like dig the garden up to put it in there. There's so much random red tape. I feel like you guys run into like random laws like that, and the, right or the there's a measurement 330 feet in St. Paul. So they're like, well, you need to have a surveyor come out. You know, oh, we're like, okay, that's another five hundred dollars. I was gonna say that's not free, right? <laughs> so and it worked out. So it's like little stuff like that. So you know. That's why we, in the e-course, we stress even before, like before you pick a house, get those requirements, ask, ask the city question, that the question, you know, um, we do. Besides that e-course, um, on our CVH recovery page, since we have the, our house page, Central Village Housing, um, so CVH recovery, we offer coaching. Like we have like four clients right now that we're coaching one-on-one -on -one with that oh, wow. we're doing more stuff. Like we're filling, helping assist them fill out the application for the city, anything yeah. that comes about, things like that. Um, and then we offer for people who already have recovery homes, we'll come out and do an audit. Cause sometimes it's just so cluttered and just people come in like, Ooh, I, yep, I'm going to go to the next one down yeah. the street, you know? So we're like, so we'll do an audit, kind of go through the house. If it's uh, out of country, out of state, you know, we'll do Zoom and depending on where it's at, we may even show up, you know, <laughs> but really trying to have them re uh, kind of restructure how they do their things now, their recovery home. Um, we're big on documentation. Um, it's not like, oh, just do whatever. Like we, we, it's not a lot of paperwork. Like we don't have to write case notes and things like that. We're not like DHS regulator or anything like that, but it's just like, a log of who's moving in, who's moving out, what are, what's the bed set up, uh, who has overnight passes. When they come in, we sign off that they did their a little Narcan training. You know, you know where the Narcan training, the Narcan kits is, and we did it. We showed you how to use it. You know, you're signing off on that. Like, so it's different yeah. things like that right. that makes a home successful and it makes a resident feel safe. You know, we have emergency forms. If we had a, actually today, we had to call the ambulance on one of our residents. She had surgery. She was in so much pain. Oh no! So it's easy because we could grab the emergency paper that people, 
it's not a requirement. No one told you to do this, but we hand this to the paramedics. So it has her medication, it has everything on there that the resident fills out, their emergency contact. So even though we're gonna call their emergency contact and let them know right there, the paramedics has everything. Yeah, Most yeah. recovery homes don't even have that stuff, you know? Now is that so piece is that piece of paper okay. ju- is that piece of paper just showing like um kind of like what they were addicted to and what they can't take or what is on that paper so is any medical concerns they have anything they're allergic to oh, like okay. if they have seizures diabetic who they need to contact uh for sure they're allergic their allergies and stuff like that if they're going to the er yeah it doesn't per se this is what they're addicted to unless it's like it's like certain pills like do not give them you right. know certain pills because if that's what more than likely we're the one who's calling them you know mm-hmm. and a lot of times residents the hospital kind of already know what's happening and what drugs not to give them because a lot of times if it is related to pills and things like that they're already saying like they're seeking drugs you know so sure. in their their uh medical files not to do that yeah. but yeah so at least because sometimes the paramedics come and they're like you know, so we're like, no, here's the paper. And that's something we had to learn. They're like asking us questions. We're like, huh, what? <laughs> like, they're sick. Just take them. You know? <laughs> take them. That's we're why like, we called you. At the office. <laughs> yeah. what, what do you want us to do? You know? Oh, man. Yeah. So we're like, okay, this is embarrassing. This won't happen again. Yeah. So they were like creating stuff, you know, the COVID-19. So we're asking people coming in. Like, we do the checklist. Like, now we're added, like, the vaccination. Yeah. Do you plan on taking it? Do you want to take it? Do you need resources so you can take it, you know? Yeah. But we're asking these different questions. If you was to get it, do you have a place that were you, a safe place to quarantine? Because if not, that's something we have to think about. Like, okay, yeah. where would they go? But if they're taking overnight passes, we're like, where are you going? Because if you don't have a safe place for this, then you must not have a safe place to go for your weekend. Jeez, <laughs> so so let's right. talk about this, you know? Yeah. yeah, like, do you just lock them in their room in the house or something like that if they get COVID? Like how do we, we literally had no one who has had COVID. The one person who had got COVID, right. <laughs> the one person who had it was on pass. Okay. And she felt sick. And we're like, just stay over there at your mom's house. Just stay there and get the test. Yeah. It was positive. So she stayed there for like a few weeks and then came back. Yeah. But um, most people have a safe place to go because the residents that are coming in, they have people who really want them to get better and they yeah. want them to, well. So they're real supportive as well. So actually when we do the emergency farm, we call the emergency contact, like, hi. So Jessica has you down for emergency contact. This is why we'll call you. People are like, hell no. No, take me off. Oh, or they're like, God. oh yes, you know. Wow. So that's we even make sure that the emergency person is gonna be is a support person, you yeah. know. Most of them just like, I'm gonna put anything down. Like not at our house, because we call and check right in front of you. They're like, but once again, we called somebody, it was a disconnected number. We're like, oh my okay. Good so thing you checked. That's how we learn yeah. a lot of stuff. Like we pick up the phone and look stupid for a second. We're like, we're not doing that again. <laughs> yeah. It's like the only way it seems like you guys learn these lessons is trial by yeah. fire, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's how we grew this stuff. People are like, that's great. We're like, yeah, it's great because we had that moment of, uh, duh. Yeah. Like, not what we do. You guys that's made the mistake so nobody else would. Yes. <laughs> But that's the great thing about business too. In order for anybody to be successful, you got to take losses. You know? For sure, oh, yeah. And a lot of people think that you can only win, but when you win, you're not seeing the full surface. You're just seeing it from, yo, I'm doing great. Yep, right. When you get knocked in your head a couple times and things like that, you're gonna you're gonna learn way more, see the mistakes that you did, and what you need to do to make those adjustments. 
Oh yeah. yeah. It's like that's our adjustments are off of something happening and we're like, okay, how would we want to handle this situation or how if it was our parents or whoever. So we changed a lot of stuff from when we started to now. Yeah. Half of our stuff has changed. Right. There's a uh, there's a saying that we've talked about a lot over the last couple months, and it just says, you either win or you learn. Because right. there's really, like, the way I look at it and the way we've really, like, seen it is there's no real losses. Anytime yeah. you have something unfortunate happen, it's something you learn from, and you're never going to do that again. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, like I said, it's just something we really sort of look yeah, at it that I'll, way yeah it's so true because <laughs> yeah because people just <laughs> feel think, free yeah 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 because like uh you know there's so many i mean we've shared tons of stories on this podcast in the past with other guests and just like oh you know we talked this way or we only charged this much or we you know did this one thing but after you do that you then learn you're like wow i know now like it, it's a lesson so it's really not like a loss um, so right. it's pretty interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, so what, uh, wh- what's been happening for you guys in the past year and how is this really, um, I know you've talked a little bit about, um, sort of the changes, but, uh, uh, I guess share like a little update of how, how things have been in the past six months to a year. Well, for us though, um, you know, with the COVID and everything like that, it's been going good for us. Um, with, uh, you know, the great thing about owning recovery homes that it is a COVID essential business. So honestly, outside of doing that, um, like outside of doing the sober homes and recovery homes, we have been really spending a lot of time on our e-course. It took us about six months to get that done. It was like working yeah. 20 hours a day, like consistently seven days a week. Cause we had to do a lot of writing, a lot of research and a lot of soul searching to make sure that when people buy it, that they was getting the right product and we, um, we wasn't cheap. Yeah. Did you guys make that yourself? Yeah, yeah, we did everything. Oh, good for you. That's awesome. That's not, yeah, that is not an easy task. (laughs) No. That's like a whole other business in itself. Right, right, right. We always say if we knew all the work that was going to go in before we were happy, we probably would say no. Uh, So, you know, that's been, that's taking a lot of our time now. And we just happy that we finished it and we able to help other people open up their own recovery homes in the city. Right. And then within the house, it's just so we have another stress factor, of course, now because it was really bad. It wasn't bad in the house, but it was really like the unknown. So many residents was just so scared. And so it was like being mindful in the house, having more self-care time and having sitting time where we're just talking about it. People were saying it's fake, and then other residents are like, "What?" So it was like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah. So it was just a lot in the house, and all the bleach and sanitizer and oh, yeah. personal things of just having residents feel safe in the house. Like it was a whole different change. Like we was like got steam mops and stuff, you know. Yeah. Like we're just trying to keep it safe. You turn into a cleaning business almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like, but now it's like, well. The budget, the bill budget went up. I'm like, yeah, because it doesn't matter if the house is empty. We still got to bleach the whole yeah. house 10 times a day, you know? Yeah. Like, so it's it's a lot more happening. So it was just a whole change because it's like, okay, so like we did, like we have visitor day, visit, yeah. visitation, visit things. So we that's still canceled right now. Like, mm-hmm. unless it's a professional visit or kids, because we 
kids are not like visitors. They're your kids. You know, right. you can't tell them they can't come. Right. So it's like, no, you have to visit outside the house. But then that was even put on hold for a while, you know? Yeah. Like we just, this was so unknown. And then during this time, George Floyd, like Minneapolis, St. Paul, our, the back, our, our storage we walked to was all rioted, robbed. Blue oh tent. my God, that was right the there. The National Guards going up and down our street. We wow. had to put two houses together and have like pizza nights to try to change the vibe and atmosphere because people was dumping garbage cans and flipping stuff. Like literally there was, storage was on fire like a block away from us, which is just through the park. So we're like COVID and George Floyd happening. Jeez. It was a lot, you know? Yeah. So it's just trying to maintain safeness, calm, and no one like relapsed, relapsed. You know, like there was some relapses, but not due to this. This is just because they had, they was, it was already the thought in their head that this is what they wanted to do. But it could have been crazy with us being like right there. That's but, an unbelievable so, amount of stress. That's yeah. that, yeah. that the residents oh are getting, God. you know, that they're taking yeah. in. It was crazy, you know? I mean, the thing is, like, even prior to that, there was another, uh, Falcon Heights, there was another uh, black male that was shot. Well, 94, they was protesting. 94 and Dale, we're right up. That was a block away the other wow. direction, you know? So we're like, okay. We're right in the middle you know? of it. Yeah, we're right in the middle. So it's just, like, keeping the keeping the peace and, the, like, this is life, this is what happens, but how do we be mindful and not be scared and not allow the residents to be scared and run neither, you know, because it can happen anywhere, you know? So it was just a lot of that kind of stuff happening and just trying to, you know, calm that down over that time. But just at the end of the day, making sure everybody's safe and we're doing what we're doing and they have to do what they're doing. So it's this last six months to a year was just like, okay. Tough. Yeah. 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 That's wild. Right, but the biggest thing we want people to uh, individuals to know too, because this took a couple calls from individuals today, and some you know sometimes you take the same calls, you already know what they're gonna ask. But one thing they be thinking like owner recovery homes is a nonprofit, which is not true. Owner recovery homes, you are for profit business. Okay. Um, You're not able to provide services. Yeah. So we just provide the lodging, you know, the bedding, furniture, everything like that. But we don't provide the food or you know anything like that. Oh, another, okay, right. Another thing, like Georgia spoke about earlier, is like no license required, so you don't have to go to school. You don't have to do none of this stuff, but you do have to have a good heart and help people. Got that right. Um, yeah, like she spoke a little bit about it earlier. You don't have to own your home to open up your own recovery home. Uh, you can own or rent. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, and then on a, from like she said on the business side, in the e-course we speak on how um, we just we call ourselves non-traditional lamb. Um, because with landlords, they probably make three to seven hundred dollars per month profits. Um, with the recovery home, we show you how we make eighty two hundred dollars a month for from owning one recovery home. Yeah. So it's just it's a lot of opportunity in this business from a financial aspect and also from a helping person's uh, aspect as well. So yeah, you know just, those are the things that we're trying to break. Just from talking from you guys, you know, you can tell that it's not the money that's driving you. Yeah, yeah, it seems like right. you guys are just generally good, golden-hearted people, you know, that just want to help people. Yeah. I mean, because it's needed. Like, when I think about the kids that come over and stuff like that, are we being able to reconnect kids and they they get their kids back? Because we deal with our we have women. And just building relationships, you know, it's just like, wow, this is so good. And like I said, me personally, 
it's been really close to me, family members, really, really close to me. So I know how it is to be on the side of being a, in, you love a person who's struggling with drugs and alcohol, and you have this effect to it affects you just as well. Just because you're not actually drinking or doing the drug, it affects you just as much, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. So being able to make that connection and they're doing that, you're just like, wow, you know? And it's sad because some of our residents, like, they're, they're like, if I'm not here, I'm gonna die. Like, I'm going to die. Like, they're like, whatever you do, do not, don't ask me to leave, don't make me ever leave. If I leave, I'm gonna die. And we're like, you're not gonna die, you're yeah. gonna be okay. Like, you know, and it's sad when we do lose residents, when they move out of our house. We lost, for sure, two residents um, due to alcohol and drugs after they left our house. They um, they were at our house, one was six months, one was 11 months. And then like six months, one passed away from um, alcoholism and then the other one was uh, OD. And it was just like, That's you gotta know, hurt. That's so gotta how, hurt. It, it hurts. How do you yeah. guys go about like, um, realizing that someone's ready to move on you do say like hey we think you're ready go ahead or is it, is it their choice to leave the house it's, it's their choice to leave the house we know that a lot of people um certain age groups are like i'm content i'm good some are younger some are like oh i'm ready to leave but even within the house like if someone's doing treatment and they're done with treatment and they get a full-time job we have a phase one and a phase two so phase two, you have more privileges, like you really don't have a curfew or overnight, but you inform us of what's happening. But when you get to phase two, you're so busy working, you're not taking advantage of your freedom, found yeah. freedom of, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. So we have people in our house who's on phase two and we're like, but this is their home, so they don't go nowhere, you know? Yeah. And then, um, so and then other people may say, oh, I'm ready to move back to my home. I own a home with kids and my husband. Like, I'm gonna go back home now because I think I'm ready, or I'm gonna go back with my mom. So they let us know when they're ready, and then they'll let us know, so. And do you monitor like, them after they leave the house, or is it kind of like once they're kind of done, it's like, hey, you said you're ready, go out into the world and show everybody you're ready and you can do this? It varies. We A lot of times we still communicate with a lot of our residents, so they'll still call us. A lot of times we'll get a call to say, I relapsed, can I come back? And we're like, of course, you, this is your home. You can yeah. always come. Um, we have a resident and this is our third time in our home within the last three years. Um, and when they come back, we do more, we're like, then we do we play in the mama like, okay, so what is, what's gonna be different this time? Right. We're not, it's not gonna be the same go around. We're gonna expect more. You're gonna do three recovery <laughs> meetings this week. You're three a week. You know, we kind of change it up for them because we're like, look, what? Sometimes they need that mom. <laughs> yeah, we're like, you're not getting the same treatment from before, so we're gonna right. challenge it this time, you know, yeah. just if we don't want you to go relapse as easy to think you got us down, you know? So we will kind of change it up. But yeah, so it's up to the individual. We meet them where they're at. When they feel they're ready, then that's okay. And sometimes they tell us they're moving, and they're like, I changed my mind. We're like, okay, you mm -hmm. know? Um, sometimes we have to move things around because maybe their bed is already, someone already put money down for that. Sure. So it's just trying to get creative because we don't have a waiting list. So when someone puts their notice in, we talk, we have treatment centers that we're teamed up with. So we're like, hey, we have a bed that's gonna be available April 1st. And then, you know, so we'll have to play around with that. Yeah. But we, we most of the time try to figure it out. So yeah, it's up to the resident when they're ready to go. Ooh. Unless it's just not a good fit, then we say, hey, this ain't a good fit. 
you probably need a higher level of care or you probably need a place where you're able to like be messy and talk back or do whatever it is that's happening, you know? But yeah. So you advise them basically. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. I think that, I mean, from the sound of it and everything that you guys have been through and you said you don't have to go to school, you don't need to go to classes. I feel like you guys should make your own certification for people, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> here, you're certified, you passed our class yeah. because you've right. been through so right. much. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. Um, what, uh, I guess my last thing will just be like, what, uh, what do you guys have planned for the future and, um, sort of thoughts for the next couple of years? Well, um, you know, he's a businessman. He'll tell us <laughs> if we have a plan. <laughs> now, one of the things is, um, like we get have more uh, recovery homes open, but we also our our real niche that we're looking to get into is like being the, the mediator between recovery homes and treatment centers, because a lot of people, uh, a lot of treatment centers have conflict with treatment centers because the the way how they might try to run a certain situation and vice versa. So we feel like we we could play a key part in that and assisting, you know, both ends of the spectrum, especially treatment centers too, because they are just say, for instance, like they, uh, they treatment might start at 7 p.m. to, well, just say 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. You're not gonna be able to compete with these big treatment centers. So you gotta, you gotta figure out a way how to adjust time, set, adjust schedules and things of that nature where you're gonna be out of business pretty quick. Right. So we deal with enough treatment centers to understand when, um, if they're gonna be successful or not successful. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But that's like our real long-term niche in the next couple of years where we uh where we're trying to get to cool. uh do more uh helping individuals uh open recovery homes help more individuals in the home become more successful like our real goal too is when people leave our home they really go out there and open up their own recovery homes because like they live in a, a good quality homes where they they that's know they if that's what they want to do though but we definitely want to assist those people because they come from homes where they they ran pretty good. Also. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. But that's something yeah. they want to do. We're not going to push it on them. Cool. Yeah, but and if someone, oh, sorry, good. I was going to say, just because they're not addicts and alcohol, that doesn't mean they have to stay in this field to help other individuals. Just because you receive help, you know, you can give back in other ways. Right. Uh, right. But like you said, it's not they're doing it for a reason you know it's not just right. someone that's yeah. doing it just to show off or something it's like no right. everyone it seems like has a drive to help another yeah. person this isn't a right. business you get into for the money that's a, it's not gonna good question too another good thing too is like i think that's another stigma too where people don't want to open up recovery homes because they feel like they don't suffer from drug or alcohol use like like georgia said we both come from families where you uh, saw it. drugs and alcohol use was like we didn't we don't use them per se, but we come from that we come from those demographics where you know our grandfather, well, my grandfather and uncles and everybody used drugs, and I see the uh, the problems they had, and, you know, the fights and stuff that can lead from just doing drugs and alcohol. So yeah, yeah that's so that made me want to just stay away from it. Though. And right. I think that's a part for me, like where I want to get back is because I seen that aspect. I I don't firsthand like drink or smoke or do anything like that or do any pills right. but I just witnessed and I know what it did to me mentally right 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 yeah wow, and I mean ev almost everybody if it hasn't happened to them at least knows somebody I mean that's right. something you know it's not that rare um, this happens right. to everybody so if you don't do it yourself you know somebody who 
uh, right. you know, experience. That's one it. thing too. I think was crazy that um, you know it's classless. Like there's no certain class that has it. Everyone suffer, can suffer from this. It's, yeah. it's not picking right. out people. Right. Yeah. I'm, another thing we want to do too. Like I ain't never explained this either. But <laughs> this is my first time hearing this. Now. <laughs> he ain't never explained it. Let me hear it. I do want to get to like those. Um, we do want to get to like those doctors and lawyers and those entertainers. Right. Because I think they need a lot of help though. So oh yeah. We provide all the homes, you know, our houses and everything they need where they can be successful. They just yeah. bleed, drop that ego at the door. <laughs> yeah. for real <laughs> sure sure yeah cool um well yeah i mean that's uh that's all the questions i had i mean this was uh this was awesome it was amazing to hear from you guys and yeah. hear these stories and uh you know learn a lot about what you, you guys do. are doing some great things yeah it's really amazing yeah for yeah, real thank you. if you could just let the people know where to uh where they can go to kind of find yeah, out more us, info uh, and stuff let us know the instagram page where people can follow or you know check out the website Okay, so the um the social media is uh, Instagram CVH dot recovery, uh, Facebook is CVH recovery. Uh, if you want to uh, purchase the e course or just you know do coaching, it's CVHrecovery.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody on here and they watch it and they want to come to Minnesota and do um, moving to sober homes, recovery homes, it's CentralVillageHousing.com. Cool, cool. We got the tours on there where you can see all the houses. The houses are beautiful, man. They nice. you you enjoy it outside of the winter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> outside of the winter. Is it never not winter in Minnesota? Right. <laughs> Three months out the year. <laughs> when is the warm time for you guys? Is it like traditional June, July, August? Yeah. 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 A little bit of May. We're almost there. Almost there. Almost there. <laughs> what's, it, what's it outside right now for you guys? What's it actually like snow. We got like five inches of snow. Oh, man. Oh. We can't even complain then. That's I'm not nice. even going to say it. <laughs> what they call in again? We're in Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Rhode Island. There you go. Yeah. They got like, the seafood and everything out there, huh? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Have you guys ever been out here? Uh, I've been out to like Boston. My oh, okay. Yeah, we're about an hour from Boston, our yeah. offices. So, yeah. Have you guys have, have you ever make the trip out? Make yeah. sure you uh, let yeah, us know. Let us know. And uh, yes, we'll have to yeah. meet up. Yeah. Cool. Definitely well, hey, th- thank you guys. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this was awesome, and I'm glad we did this. Appreciate y'all time. Yeah, yeah thanks so much. Ah, this was amazing. It was good to meet you guys. Yeah, it was awesome. great to yeah, meet you. It was nice meeting you too. Cool. Have a good day. Hey, you take too. it easy, See you guys. Bye. Bye.